0: Hey, Changemaker, welcome back to a new episode of the podcast with me, Julia Wicklander. I'm excited about this episode as it intersects a range of topics that I care deeply about. Um, Human rights, equality, peace, democracy, anti-racism, and technology. My guest today is Kim Smalter. The executive director of the European Network Against Racism, which is abbreviated as ENAR sometimes in this podcast and this conversation. Uh, Kim is a policy and advocacy expert with nearly 20 years of experience advocating for social causes, including LGBTQIA rights, employment, education, social affairs, civic space and dialogue, and digital rights. Previously, Kim has held senior and leadership roles in the European Parliament, the European Network of National Civil Society Associations, and ISOMAR, the Global Trade Association for Opinion Polling Businesses. Kim holds a master's degree in European Public Affairs and a bachelor's degree in European Studies and is a graduate of the University of Maastricht. In this conversation, Kim shares a story of what brought him to work with social change and justice Um, and I'm really happy about his generosity for sharing a personal story. Uh, We talk about the challenges in Europe as Islamophobia, anti-Semitism and anti-immigrant sentiments and hate speech are on the rise here. Um, Kim shares how the European Network Against Racism works and how they work to combat discrimination and racism. We recorded this conversation at Web Summit, a tech conference gathering more than 70,000 people in Lisbon, Portugal, to meet and discuss the future of tech. From AI to startup pitches, talks on climate and democracy and networking sessions and masterclasses, The conference um, does have an important role in shaping how the industry prioritizes human rights, equality and democracy. I asked Kim about the role of tech in championing human rights and what he sees as the main barriers when big tech seems to be doing the exact opposite. In light of the Israel-Palestine conflict, Kim addresses the calls to action that Inar published for European leaders. We talk about the intersection between political conflicts, technology, and the discrimination that we see. Thank you so much for joining this conversation today. I really hope that you listen in and enjoy um, hearing Kim speak so passionately about the important work that he does.
1: My name is Kim Smouter, I'm the Executive Director of the European Network Against Racism, as well as its foundation, so the ENAR Foundation. And uh, yeah, very excited to be here at Web Summit, very excited to connect with you.
0: I would love for you to just start off with, since we work so much with changemakers, and I have a podcast called Hey Changemaker, (laughs) I would love for you to just share perhaps a personal story of how you came to work with, with the work that you're doing today.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, that story begins as a very young age, so already as a teenager, and we would actually that's where I want to to kind of take this, it's kind of in secondary school, I, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to work in a school where we had a lot of diversity and things like that, and we also had teachers who were willing to take a chance and let their teenagers do what they want to do, uh, and we organized uh, as part of that, I was part of a group called Safe Place. Uh, which was all about how to make the, the school more inclusive, the school more uh, open and tolerant, uh, and more aware of kind of social issues. And so we organized as a group, uh, I kind of brought the group together and said, you know, we need to do something to make people more aware about all kinds of social issues. Because when you look, you know, listen to the canteen, we seem to be more focused about whether we're gonna have fries or pizza, as opposed to actually talking about the real issues of the world. Yeah. And and so we organized a, a thing called Social Awareness Week. And basically for the entire week we've, we plastered on every single locker of a student a Uh, a statistic, uh, whether it be around, uh, you know, children pregnancies or uh, mortality rates or LGBTIQ plus kinds of issues and things like that. Uh, and the school let us do that. So for the entire week, we were plastering these kinds of these kinds of things. It was the talk of the school around what are all these things about and why are they forcing us all these statistics and we don't care about these kinds of things. Uh, we even managed to get to canteen to agree for one day to change the entire menu to uh, a menu of what an African child would actually expect. And so basically, everybody was offered plain rice. And that created such a hoof off. But uh, for me, it was kind of really a great stage to, to begin kind of my, my kind of learning and owning my skills as a change maker, as somebody who, you know, I'm, I care deeply about these social issues. Mm-hmm. I want to share that with the world. And I want the world to be more uh, engaged with these issues, because it's only by working together that we actually make the change.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for sharing that story and that perspective. Um, because yeah, it's really true of how we need to see our interconnectedness, right? And, and, um, and now you are the director of the European Network Against Racism. Um, can you share briefly about the mission and goals that that, that organization has?
1: Yeah, and it's it's an incredible job. Uh, it's an incredible organization. We are celebrating this year our 25th anniversary, and really our 25th anniversary is under the banner of make racism history. And I think that's also a beautiful way to explain what the mission and the vision of Inar is all about. Inar is a is a grassroots network. Uh, We bring together over 150 grassroots organizations based across Europe, from Ireland all the way to Turkey. And essentially, we bring organizations which are fighting racism day in and day out. And we cover also a broad spectrum of of racism. So we uh, cover Afrophobia, we cover anti-Semitism, anti-Islamophobia, anti anti gypsyism anti-Roma. So any community which, in essence, is made other by a majority population, Uh, Inari is a place for them to have their voices heard at the highest levels of power uh, and also to bring together grassroots organizations to share best practice to inspire one another to keep the fight going. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you so much and um, that work is so incredibly important, especially these days when we're seeing that um, Islamophobia, anti-immigration policies are on the rise in Europe Um, so I would love for you to just speak uh, about that big challenge that you have as a network um, how you're working to actually support those grassroots organizations and to create that change um, across Europe.
1: Yeah, we're working on a number of different apixes or I guess aspects. Uh, the first one I would say is indeed we are we are an advocacy network, so we are located in Brussels, uh, which is of course the unofficial headquarters of the European Union, and we work uh, very closely with policymakers and advocates to try to ensure that the European policy agenda remains ambitious on topics of, of anti-racism. So, uh, we lobby and advocate on things like uh, the European anti-action the anti-racism action plan. Uh, we meet with Commissioners to really hold them to task when it comes to double standards with regards to the way they implement particular legislation. We try to push the Member States uh, and the EU to be much more uh, robust in the enforcement of existing anti-racism legislation. So there are, uh, Europe has anti-discrimination legislation dating back from 20 years. But mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned, uh, at the moment, if we look at the European policy uh, f- kind of atmosphere, we're certainly going backwards. And we're also seeing that in recent reports uh, published by the Fundamental Rights Agency, which are showing that racism is indeed on the rise uh, for the first time since the since statistics are being captured. Uh, we also do a huge piece of work around uh, what we call the shrinking civic space. So our members are are often tasked with the difficult job of representing uh, excluded organizations, excluded communities, excluded organizations, and to try to, to in essence, defend the interests and the voice of those communities. And that puts us at the front line of of uh, of attacks from the far right from organizations which would seek to to create a society which is less tolerant and our members are very much the scapegoats or at least at the front lines of that and we see that also translating in in more difficulties in accessing essential funding to keep their operations going uh, administrative uh efforts to to close them down because they are not considered to be promoting european values mm-hmm. um and and really so we are really seeing a very concerted effort to, to reduce and restrict the ability of these organizations to do their fundamental democratic role, which is to ensure that these communities have a voice in public space, have a voice in democratic space, and are able to also have their interests heard and seen and reflected in public policies. Mm.
0: Amazing and difficult work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, given sort of the the rise of, of these challenges that you're seeing and, and uh, the terror and horror that can come with that for many of these minority populations in Europe. Um, how do you see sort of the connection with, with tech? We're here at the Web Summit. We're also seeing sort of online that there is a greater polarization through social media and how big tech is also perhaps driving this change and these challenges, making them bigger and making sort of that um, challenge even greater. How would you see sort of a solution to that? How do you see sort of any, any way that we can sort of combat um those negative effects of technology and of of, um social media
1: yeah i think so it's it's one of the reasons why i'm and my colleagues are here at the web summit is because we see that there is the future of our society will be a digital one whether we want it or not uh, the, the reality is that the digital society will be an essential part of what the future society will look like and so for us it's absolutely critical and essential that we are part of the discussion around how do we shape this digital society to not replicate in essence the existing biases the existing discriminations that exist in real in the real world mm-hmm. um, and indeed technology has uh, technology is agnostic so in the sense that technology can actually be used for good and we see that technology can be used for good in the case for example of black lives matter mm-hmm. George Floyd's death would not have had the impact and the repercussions that it had across the world, were it not for social media, were it not for the fact that social media allowed all of us to see the true horrors of what day-to-day discrimination looks like for for Black people in particular, but indeed for other racialized minorities across Europe, it's exactly the same thing. So for us, there is a positive role that technology can play in that sense of making sure that actually our unheard voices can actually be heard much more easily than before. But indeed there is the other side of the coin and that's where technology is agnostic and and that's exactly what social media is also showing us polarizing effect, the ability for online hate speech, online hate crimes to take place with very little uh, punity. Um, and there's also indeed the aspect of how how technology incre- increases and accelerates bias. So yeah. for us, our big concern, for example, with the implementation of artificial t- intelligence is that actually a lot of these models are being uh, a lot of things that are being fed for these models our biased the information, biased data, which are just being accelerated and proliferated at a much faster rate mm-hmm. and with a very strong inability for us to actually intervene at the right moments. So for us, there's a huge amount of concern around whether tech is really recognizing the risks that are inherent to these new models, uh, the particular and specific risks that racialized communities have when it comes to the implementation of these models and indeed our inability as individuals and as communities which are traditionally excluded from politics, have very little political power Mm -hmm. um, to actually be able to say, hey, stop. This implementation is actually going to hurt our interests. It's going to hurt our communities. It's going to hurt our people, mm-hmm. and we already see real life examples of the implementation of artificial intelligence causing the loss of life, causing the disruption of families, and those types of things. So, so for us, it's really important as, as a, as the champions and as a voice of of racialized communities to really say yes, tech can be good. On one hand, it's not about stopping. The implementation of something it's going to be unstoppable but we really need to be much more uh, astute and understanding that there is massive risks and if we don't want to create a dystopia in the future we have to act now not tomorrow.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that perspective. I think it's so desperately needed. I think so many times in the tech community, it's it's about, well, don't blame tech, blame the users, right? But when we're seeing the development of these tools and the development of who's behind and, and the bias that is there, it's, it's really dangerous. So thank you for that. Um, and and also just recently, um Inar put out a statement on sort of the Israel and, and Gaza situation and the conflict that's taking place there. Um can you share sort of the main points of, of that statement?
1: Yeah, and I think important for us to say that uh, our statement was kind of aligned in the sand so so we as a community and as a network we bring together both uh communities from the jewish uh, from jewish persuasions as well as from muslim persuasions as well as other communities which of course experience racism day in and day out so for us it was very important to to not place blame on either side but to really kind of take a zoom out and to really understand kind of to really look from the rights-based perspective what's happening there mm-hmm. and are we actually reacting in a way which is consistent with our with our fundamental rights, our values, which are inherent to our, uh, For us, what we wanted to really highlight was, first of all, uh, the double standards. Uh, so really the, the the way in which, particularly at, at, at the early stages, uh, Europe reacted to, to the Palestine-Israel crisis was for us also a, a way for for the EU to essentially give Israel a blank check and, and kind of we see what the result is that so so you know a, a much more a reaction which is disproportionate with regards to with regards to what happens but also not disproportionate but also particularly targeting very you know civilian populations very indiscriminately in, despite trying to attack and, and destroy Hamas which anything for us that there's that part which is very which was very disturbing also for us the the complete uh, the dis- and blatant disregard for for international law when it comes to when you're in our conflicts and, and that part was also something which was for us very important to say you know we as an organization we are anti-war on that basis. We are an organization which celebrates diversity, which celebrates the sanctity of life, and, and considers that each and every single life is fundamentally important. And that therefore, any policy reaction, any military reaction has to somehow safeguard human life. And so that's what our statement was, was very much about. To try to, on the one hand, you know, call out Europe's contribution to the conflict, and also to Europe has a tendency to to not want to recognize that, Israel and Palestine conflict would not have existed had it not been for for European intervention Uh, and recognizing that role and recognizing the particular contribution that we made to creating the situation Mm -hmm. and then indeed this this kind of double standards as a result of that so Mm -hmm. for us these are all very important elements to bring to the to the table but also particularly from the perspective of we need to find and we need to think about what will it take to actually bring peace as Mm -hmm. and, and move us out of this blame this uh this blame game that we're in
0: yeah yeah, I hear you, and I think that um, also one thing that's interesting here at Web Summit is also how um, tech sometimes uh, sees itself as a global actor that is outside of national politics and should be seen as something, um, you know, bigger and um, a- and sort of uh, not unbiased and and so on. Um, But at the same time, we're at Web Summit, where the former CEO actually spoke out about this conflict just prior to just a a month ago um, and uh, stepped down from his role. Um, And we saw also, you know, um, different funders who started to say that they and tech companies also pulling out um, of of sponsorships or uh, participation um what what would you, do you see in terms of of that balance of of technology and also standing up for human rights and standing up for equality um what, yeah what would you say about about that
1: yeah I mean for us indeed the reaction has been disproportionate maybe is a word but it's, it's it goes back to for us actually it's it's really important not to zoom in on just one conflict and actually to really look you know if we change the names of those countries would we have the same reaction Mm -hmm. and if we would have the same reaction then we can say yes we're actually adopting and implementing a consistent policy which is in line with our values here I don't think it's the case I think if we look at different conflicts around the world we have a very different reaction to it which underscores and underlines Mm -hmm. that we see human value human life differently depending on where the person is from uh, depending on what the conflict is. And that for us is the, is actually an approach and a lens which is really important to understand actually how do we how do we come up with a values-based, a rights-based, a human rights, a human value, a human-centered perspective to try to understand this conflict and try to to understand how we actually move out of a conflict into a place where we create meaningful peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the funny thing is that Europe is a place which actually learned to do that after the Second World War. So how do we actually learn from what was put in place after the Second World War here in Europe to create this lasting peace? How can we actually export that to the conflict uh, rather than rather than kind of uh, you know perspectives which are biased? So that's from, for us. That's quite important. The other element, kind of your question with regards to you know to tech, I we do see a role for tech in championing human rights, and championing fundamental values, in championing a digital society which hopefully is free from the biases that we have in the real world so for us we see a strong role to play in that but at the moment we're certainly not seeing tech companies really fulfilling that role and it's also one of the reasons we're here at web summit is to really remind them that they made certain uh you know they made certain promises and we hold them accountable to them Mm,
0: yeah that dilemma of people and planet and profit right that we always come back to (laughs) um so given sort of the situation that we see in europe and the challenges that you you are facing through the through your work and um what brings you hope in these difficult times
1: i think lots of things i mean i think the you know, perhaps the first reactions were were very emotive reactions to the Israel and Palestine conflict. But we also see now that there's a a much stronger movement, which is going back to, you know, human first. Uh, Let's think about, you know, let's think about that. And I think that's always kind of reassuring. Um, I also think that there is a, a lot of, interesting innovations taking place. So we are we're very excited about uh, some, some new funders which are coming online to support in our, to support in our members recognizing the shrinking civic space aspect, recognizing the fundamental democratic value that grassroots organizations play and understand that actually there's gaps being being created and that there is a broader role for those gaps to be filled through through inar so for us that's to, that's those are moments of hope in essence which i certainly take a lot of pride in um and i think also the fact that we're having this conversation you know whilst things have not changed as rapidly as we could but i think many thought that this was going to be a sprint i think it's always it was always going to be a marathon and i think we are on that marathon and i think more people than ever before are aware of first of all what day-to-day discrimination looks like and I think many people kind of lived in denial before what happened with Black Lives Matter, was happening these days, it's like there's a lot more awareness of that but we have to of course be aware as well that there's a, as soon as you have one action you have a counter reaction and sometimes it's even stronger and so we need to be vigilant, vigilant. That we are still on that marathon. We haven't finished the race. Uh, we need to keep we need to keep uh, you know, we need to keep plodding along, mm-hmm. but and really celebrate each and every single small victory that we do have. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks you again. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation with Kim Smarter. You can find out more about the European Network Against Racism at enar euorg If you enjoyed this episode, It would mean the world to me if you do these two simple things. First of all, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague or a family member who you think would appreciate it or benefit from listening to it. Secondly, please follow this podcast in your favorite podcast app. This can be done by clicking on the plus sign or the follow button on the app. This helps you because you won't miss an episode and it helps us because you won't miss our amazing upcoming episodes. And remember that you can find all conversations with Changemakers at girlsglobe.org Changemaker, where you can also subscribe and get each episode in your email. All the links are in the show notes. Until next time, take care, Changemaker. Thank you so much for being here.